Hey y'all, it's Crystal. And it's Samantha. And this is Serial Holic Sisters. True crime shit. Hey girl, hey. Hey, hey, hey. How's it how's it going? You know, same old, same old. School, mm-hmm. work, basketball, baseball, softball, you know. <laughs> oh, did I tell you that I just signed my kids up for co ed flag football? What am I doing? Oh my- what is wrong with you <laughs> so much I don't know why I love doing this to myself but yes that's a thing that's going to start soon we finished back basketball season and now it's track so we start track after spring break <sighs> why do we have athletic children <laughs> I know <laughs> all right it's I was gonna second. say it, it has been a second so we did have a delay on our episode this past week I don't know if anybody was, noticed that we didn't put an episode out and then forgot literally to put out something saying why. I know it's my Our fault. Bad. <laughs> it's it's my fault. So it is my fault that we're delayed this week. We've had uh, a few medical related reasons. Yeah, I was gonna say on... it's not really your fault. It's I mean no. life things happen. Yeah, it's um we've just had a few medical related reasons on like my husband and my side of the family and it's unfortunate and so it's kind of delayed us but one of the things that has kept me going I will say this week through all the exhaustion of doctor visits is this little secret energy boost are you talking about magic mind I am talking about it we did talk about it on our last episode I just really love this product it has kept my energy boosted I swear this kept me completely focused like with the lack of sleep that I've had. Yeah. You've not been sleeping much. No, I have not. So I will say this, this stuff is a secret weapon. You've tried magic mind too. I have. I've tried it. it. I've tried it. I really liked it. Uh, I think the best part for me is all the natural healthy ingredients and the fact that I can take it with my coffee because you know me, I can't go without my coffee because literally (laughs) coffee. I agree. I agree. I'm a tea drinker on top of my coffee. And I like how this, this product just, I mentioned it last week too. It reminds me of green tea and I really enjoy green tea. And I've just recently been trying to eat healthier. I'm only one week in without Coke. So yay me. But 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 you're doing it girl. I see you. And you haven't murdered anybody about it yet. I haven't murdered anybody. (laughs) I know. But this little shot in the morning has kept me energized without feeling like I need that extra boost of caffeine mm-hmm. that Coke would give me. So, yeah, I mean, um, this is its own little extra boost. And it's super simple. Three easy, cute little instructions they have on the side of the wee tiny, cute little bottle. Uh, step one, shake, 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 shake. Step two, breathe, because we all just need to take a breath. And step <laughs> three, drink, because chug it, girl. Chug it. <laughs> So if you haven't checked this out and you're looking to push start a healthier morning boost, you should definitely give this a try. We can even share a little code for you guys. Not only check out this awesome product, but Mm -hmm. save you some money. So yeah, just go to magicmind.co slash Serialholic and use our code Serialholic20 and you can get 20% off your first purchase or up to 56% off of a subscription. So big savings, y'all. Yeah, it's totally worth it. Totally, It is. So anywho, it is my week. I think they are ready to listen to our case. So here we go. (laughs) 
our case. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> our case. So this week I decided to do another unsolved. <laughs> it's been a minute. Just like my little sound effect there. <laughs> <laughs> it's not what I was doing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like what's wrong with your sirens? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they just died. Is a womp week. Womp womp. <laughs> it is. It's I'm I'm running on low batteries, y'all. And magic oh. wand. <laughs> what do you do when you have a headache? I like what do you take, do? What do I do? I take like seven ibuprofen and no. <laughs> yeah, no, that's same. <laughs> but you take some over the counter medicine, right? Yeah. <gasps> Are you doing I am. is it the Tylenol? Um Yes. Okay, okay. This- you know, I really have thought about this when I have a headache. I'm like t- popping some Tylenol. So do I. I'm like, so this, do I. Is this is this how it ends? Is this what's gonna happen? <laughs> this this is what and I. And then think I'm like, oh you. well, my head hurts. I think about the same thing. And yeah. little did several people know that taking a Tylenol would result in their death. It's so, so sad. So we're gonna we're gonna talk. It is very sad. We're gonna talk about the Chicago Tylenol murders. Let's get into it. On September 28, 1982, 12-year-old Mary Kellerman was hospitalized after consuming a capsule of extra-strength Tylenol. So her parents had no idea what was wrong with her or that the Tylenol had anything to do with it. And right, the very next why would day, they think that? Right. And the very next day, Mary ended up dying. Mm. And little did we know on the very next day which was september 29th six other people including stanley janus who was 25 adam janus who was 27 Teresa janus who was oh, 20 all three taken from the same bottle mary mcfarlane who was 31 paula prince 35 and mary rainer sorry who was 27 would all die from taking this medicine so how is everybody dying right like that's so odd why why is this happening well it actually wasn't until a nurse that was asked to help investigate the Janus deaths as it was super odd that three died in the same exact day from seemingly unknown causes right literally no reason they they went to the hospital because something was wrong and bam they all passed away So nurse Helen Jensen visited the Janus household and found that one single bottle of Tylenol was purchased the same day. There was a receipt. So she was able to see the receipt date and six pills were missing. So she brought the bottle back and brought it to the investigators and believed that this wasn't an accidental death at all. So it was kind of moita. It was Moida. <laughs> also, how crazy is it that three people in the same house like suddenly had a headache that needed to be treated? Yeah, it was super weird. Um, and we'll I get. Mean, it could have been it. other stuff like aches, pains, stuff like that. I guess it didn't have to have been a headache. Right. You can take Tylenol for many things. So we'll get into that in just a little bit too. But um, investigators first, it was weird. One of the police officers actually did a sniff test of the pills first, which I would have never thought to do this. So these, just so everybody knows, when I'm saying Tylenol extra strength, they were not like the white pills that you take. These were like the gel capsules. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So he did a sniff test and it actually smelled like almonds. They were the gel capsules? They were capsules. Or okay. Not, I was like. Not gel, but you know what I okay. mean? Okay. Like I, I figured it was like the capsules that you could pull apart. Yes, and... it is. When I say okay. gel, I guess I should, I should reiterate that because there is a difference between gel capsules and yeah. those. Um, they were like the, well, like capsules. When use, yeah. When people use like the art clips of like medicine, you know? Right. Like right. Yeah. So that's exactly what they were. Um, so I'm just saying they weren't like the, they weren't the white coat. Yeah. They weren't the white coated tablets. So anywho, they did a sniff test on this and they were like, whoa, that's really weird. Like, I mean, I probably would have done this too. I open the bottle and I'd sniff it first and be like, what's going on? This I would not. <laughs> I would. I personally would. Because if somebody, if three people died in the same family, I mean. I mean, that makes my sense. Thought, my thought would be like, oh, okay. They took these. This is the last thing they took. Was it poison? Is there something strong? Like, right. you know. I normally would it, think Tylenol doesn't usually have a smell. So I probably wouldn't even think. Right. Well, that's exactly what this investigator thought too. They were like, why does this smell like, like it's giving off almost an almond smell. Um, And it was really. It's not arsenic. I can't remember which one it is. No, it was really weird to them. So they sent it off. There was 44 pills left out of the 50. Mm -hmm. And they were examined and came back determining that the factor behind the death was in fact cyanide. Cyanide. That's it. There was more than three times the fatal limit added to this bottle. Jesus. Just just this one bottle. Now, who in the world would poison these people? Was it just their bottle or were the other deaths related? So, of right. course, investigators were able to pull one other victim of this crazy, weird death. And it happened to be 12-year-old Mary Kellerman. Were they in the same living in the same town? They were all in Chicago, um, correct? Yes, they were all in Chicago. Okay. So, yes, they were all very close, too. Like, not the people close, but, like, vicinity close. Right, right, right. But, yes, the the bottle that Mary had was inventoried, and they um, sent it off, and they determined it was also poisoned. So her- They're like, this is also almond Tylenol, so <laughs> yes. something's fishy. <laughs> well, it was weird because hers and the Janus bottle- had came back from the same manufacturing lot, MC2880. So, of course... Sorry, uh, we're oh, going to have to recall all of these from this place. Yes. So that's exactly what they did first. So everyone was panicking, right? So yeah. they immediately issued out a recall on this particular lot. So the public was notified not to take any from this lot. But after further investigation... Police noticed lots from Mary McFarland's were a completely different lot. So again, Tylenol was immediately recalled and pulled Mm -hmm. from shelves while the public was notified to not take any if they had any at their home. This was actually the largest, and even to date, this was Mm -hmm. the largest pharmaceutical recall that has ever taken place. Oh, wow. That's crazy considering you see all these commercials about if you took Zantac and whatever. (laughs) But this particular, because they couldn't define one specific lot any longer, they had no idea what was tampered with. I want to read an article that I found that did have a timeline. And I try to find the actual author of it so that I could cite them in here because I didn't want to, you know, I want to be able to let everybody know that it's 
definitely not written by me by all means is it a um, news article or like a magazine like newspaper it is it's a magazine article so um i do have the the link like the website link and mm-hmm. we'll just we'll just add it into our instagram post for anybody that wants to go back and read through it but i am going to read that first before i get into any more okay so Wednesday, September 29th, 1982, Mary Kellerman, a 12-year-old from Schaumburg, I'm pretty sure is how you say it, Um, S-C-H-A-U-M-B-U-R-G, Schaumburg, right? I would think Schaumburg, yeah. Okay, so Mary Kellerman, a 12-year-old from Schaumburg, wakes up feeling sick. Her parents keep her home from school, and she, and this was the 28th, sorry, I don't know why I said the 29th, it was Oh, I didn't even catch it when she was staying, when she stayed home from school. So she, she was stayed home from school and she takes some Tylenol. So Dennis Kellerman, Mary's father, heard her go into the bathroom. He heard the door close and then he heard something drop. He went to Mm. the bathroom door. He called for Mary. He said, Mary, are you okay? There was no answer. He called again. Mary, are you okay? There was still no answer. So he opened the bathroom door. And Mary was on the floor unconscious. She was still in her pajamas. Cannot imagine that happening with my kid. Right. 12 years old, too. Mm -hmm. Richard Keyworth, who is the firefighter, um, one of the paramedics on the call with the Kellerman girl was Dave Spung. And Dave was one of the best paramedics that Richard said he had ever met. He threw everything in that drug box. He just, like, grabbed it. So... At 9.56 a.m., Mary Kellerman is pronounced dead at Alexan Brothers Medical Center in Elk Grove Village on September 29th. Wow. Edmund Donahue was the deputy chief medical examiner for the Cook County, and she was the very first victim. So he said that our office was notified, but there wasn't anything too suspicious about her death, which I think is, I mean, it's odd. So I just suspicious, but... but I get what he means by suspicious. Um, she was ordered into the medical examiner's office for an autopsy because of her age and circumstances. Right. So Nick Pichos, he was an investigator with Cook County's medical examiner office as well. And he said, basically, the investigator did a phone investigation. He interviewed the father and the police um, would then go to the house to make sure it's the same story. So protocol. Okay. Firefighter Keyworth, in what we call the ambulance report, the medications were listed as Tylenol. Everybody mm-hmm. in the world took Tylenol. That didn't seem out of the ordinary. Right. And this was this was at noon. Adam Jaminis at noon, a 27-year-old postal worker in Arlington Heights, had taken a sick day. Oh, no. Helen Jensen, public health nurse for Arlington Heights, he had stayed home from work because he had felt like he was getting a cold. And then he went to pick up his kids from preschool and stopped at the Jewel to get some Tylenol. He came home, they had some lunch, and he said, I'm going to take two Tylenol and lay down. And a couple minutes later, he came staggering into the kitchen and collapsed. This was oh, at 315. No. With his preschool kids there and nobody else? Oh, God. Okay. So Thomas Kim was a medical director of Northwest Communities Hospital Intensive Care Unit. And he said, our first job is to resuscitate, and we couldn't even do that. 
his heart just would not resuscitate. I signed Janus out of probably cardiac arrest as his death. I was talking to his family, explaining, well, trying to explain what had happened. It's hard even if you know the diagnosis. I was trying to tell them we didn't know why. Adam's wife, Teresa, was there. His parents were there and the whole slew of other people. And they didn't go back to their home. They went back to Janus. His parents were there, like the whole people. They didn't go back to their home. They went to the Janus's house in Arlington Heights. Oh, okay. I was confused on that sentence for a second. Sorry. <laughs> okay. 340, that was at 345. At the same time, 345, Mary Reiner, who is 27, is at home in Winfield. She had recently given birth to her fourth child. Aww. Not feeling well. She takes some Tylenol. No, don't do it. Ed Reiner, who is Mary's husband, we were together for a long time. She was an excellent mother. We had four children. The baby was a week old. I came mm. home right after she had fallen on the floor. An ambulance came and rushed her to Central DuPage sorry, Hospital in Winfield. I'm not going to say a whole lot more than that. And that was at 5 p.m. Mm. Nurse Jensen, the Janus family was all at Adam's house, planning the funeral and mourning together. Adam's younger brother, Stanley, had some chronic back pain, oh, and, no. he asked, and he asked his wife. They had been married just a little while, and her name was also Teresa, to give him some Tylenol. She came out and gave him two Tylenol, and then she took two Tylenol. And then he went down, and then she went down. Hmm. Charles Kramer, lieutenant with the Arlington Heights Fire Department, said when I arrived at the house there were cars of, and people everywhere all eight of my men were working four on one man and four on a woman everything mm -hmm. that would happen to the man happened to the woman a few minutes later so like right because he took it a little bit before her just seconds before her so it would right. happen to him and then and her. then it oh god Dr. Kim as I was putting on my blue blazer to leave around 5.30, a nurse told me that they were bringing the Janus family back. And I said, well, it's probably the parents because they were like feasible. Right. They've been they really were... upset and, and, you know, and the nurse said, no, it's his brother. I had been talking to this six foot healthy guy and I said, well, what happened? Did he faint? And she said, they're doing CPR and they're working on his wife too. That's when I took my blazer off. That's so crazy. Nurse and that would make it look super suspicious that somebody, that would really make me want to look into like who has something against this family, like what's going on with this so that, family in particular. Uh, yes. So that's what Nurse Jensen was right. doing. So she said, I got a phone call in the middle of dinner from Chuck Kramer of the Har Arlington Heights Fire Department. And he said, there's something going on here. We had a death this morning and now we brought in two more of the same house and they want a public health person here. And you're the only public health person I know. So, <laughs> so good she luck. Said, <laughs> so, well, she said, so I dropped everything and I went to the hospital because she thought it was odd. Right. So deputy medical examiner Donahue at the time, I lived two blocks away from the medical examiner's office and I just happened to come back to pick something up. I walked through an investigation. I walked through the investigations area, and one of the guys said, "Doctor, we've got something unusual going on. We had this family in Arlington Heights where one person died, 
And then the brother and the sister-in-law came over and now the brother's dead and the sister-in-law is very serious condition and not expected to live. Nurse Jensen said there was this poor lonely lady standing off in the corner and that turned out to be Teresa, Adam Janus's wife. I had asked her to tell me exactly what had happened that morning, what happened all day. And I asked a lot of questions. I'm a nurse and you know, you just don't get answers if you don't ask questions is what she said. Right. So just so you know, Stanley was married to a woman named Teresa and Adam mm-hmm. was also married to a woman named Teresa. So that way people aren't confused with that last right, little sentence that I yes. said. So Adam and Teresa are the ones that last took the Tylenol that were being no. worked on. No, Stanley, Stanley and, Teresa. and Teresa. Yes. And then Adam was the one that died earlier in the day. Yes. And he was also married to a Teresa. So the other Teresa that's standing here is, this yes. is just really sad. Okay. Yeah. It is. I just thought I'd I'd clarify that. that yeah, there was be a lot very, of Teresa's happening. <laughs> <laughs> that could be, it was a very common name. <laughs> Investigator Pichos, he's, when I first got to the hospital, he said, I found nobody really knew how this was happening. I asked Dr. Kim and what he thought and he said was, we don't know. <laughs> I said, right. well, let's go back <laughs> to the house and try to find out what's out of the ordinary. This was at 6.30 p.m. This makes me think of like an episode of House, like something crazy would happen and then have to know. be like, go back to their house and figure it out. And it they is. fucking would. It <laughs> is. It is. And back then they really did though. Like for medical issues, I mean, doctors were not supposed to go in the houses. So like, let's just put that out there. The public record, like, or the public health department and stuff. Yes. If an investigator was there with you. So like the, the show house, they did it oh. illegally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure he, like, said that. He was like, don't get caught. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Just thought I'd clarify that. Like, sneaky, but sneaky. <laughs> So that happened at 6.30. Well, at 6.30, at an Illinois Bell store in Lombard, Mary McFarland, a, a 31... 31- like mm-hmm. a store that sells bells? What is that? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> Mary McFarland who is a 31-year-old resident of Elmhurst, tells her co-workers that she has a really bad headache. Mm. Jack Ellison, which was Mary's brother, was actually, um, he said she went in the back room and he goes, she took, I don't know how many Tylenol, at least one. Oh, obviously you're making it out like she took like 10 she took i don't know how many tylenol <laughs> well he didn't count how many were right. in the bottle so he didn't she know how many tylenol. she took yeah but uh within minutes she was on the floor mm. john milner which was commander of detectives at the elmhurst police department he said i didn't know her but i knew her dad it was just so sad that he lost his daughter like that somehow it was suspected that she had ingested something bad poison or something That's that was a pretty good eight- suspicion yeah that so was that literally eight. what happened <laughs> <laughs> literally that was at 8 p.m jensen pichos and police police officers arrive at adam janus's house in arlington heights same time 8 p.m investigator pichos he was he said i was expecting to walk in the house and go oh there it is but it was nothing like that oh he was expecting there to be like a giant <laughs> bottle with a picture of like a skull and crossbones <laughs> yes. just sitting out <laughs> And you know, I'm not gonna lie. When I read that statement, that's all I could picture too. Or else, you know, like, a bottle okay. with a picture of a llama. <laughs> but no, <laughs> and I'll poison him with this. <laughs> so Nurse Jensen said, um, 
I looked and didn't see anything that could possibly be a contaminant. There was a shelf full of uh, over-the-counter medications, some prescription drugs, but nothing out of the ordinary. Investigator Pichos, I went into the basement and found that they did some metalworking. He said somebody had mentioned that sometimes in metalworking, they use cyanide for polishing. We just wanted to make sure there was nothing in the basement that they had been in contact with. Which cyanide I didn't know polishing? that. Right? That seems dangerous. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's real dangerous. That's poisonous, y'all. <laughs> I didn't know that. Well, Nurse Jensen said she found a bottle of Tylenol. There were six capsules missing. Three people dead. In my mind, it had to be something to do with the Tylenol. And of course, there was no protective sealing on this or any over-the-counter drugs at the time. They just had cotton tucked in there. So, right. Because this, is, this case is why they started doing that, right? Yes. Yes. So we went back to the hospital and they took the bottle with them. That was at 815. Mm-hmm. Stanley can Janus, I just say that, can I just say that I would never open a bottle of Tylenol like at a house and be like, oh, there's six missing. It must be this. Like, I'd be I, like, oh yeah, there's Tylenol. People she's in Tylenol. the wrong, <laughs> she's in the wrong profession because she just became a detective. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because listen, I'm studying this and I wouldn't have thought of that either. <laughs> Because I'd be like, all right, well, here's the bottle of ibuprofen, and there's 13 missing from this one. What does that mean? <laughs> right. Well, I will say, um, I did, like I said, I did read a couple articles, and one of the articles was the receipt was with it because it was like yeah, they put they it all just down. Bought it. Yeah, yeah. And she did see it was just bought. They right. just taken it. Because literally she's in the Nancy time Drew. Frame. Yes. Because she's motherfucking Nancy Drew. Literally. <laughs> So at 8 15, that was at 8.15, and at 8.15, Stanley Janus is pronounced dead, too. Hmm. At 9.30, after landing at O'Hare from Las Vegas, Paula Prince, a 35-year-old flight attendant with United Airlines, stops at the Walgreens at 1601 North Wells Street to buy some Tylenol. Don't that do was it. at Yeah. At 10 o'clock, Investigator P shows there was, like, a tiny little room off the, the ER where he sat down with a policeman to preserve the chain of evidence. Of course, we didn't know at the time what the chain of evidence was. Right. He's Nurse like, I Jensen. found this this llama extract. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. Um, Nurse Jensen, she said, I plopped the bottle down and said, this is the cause. And of course, nobody would believe me. I stamped my feet and then said, oh, no, it couldn't be. It couldn't be. Oh, let's tantrum okay <laughs> why'd you stop your feet about it dr kim she said maybe it's the tylenol and i thought well that's fine but at the time oh, that was just someone <laughs> right but at the time that was just somebody saying that i was very frustrated i was very desperate how come i couldn't figure out what was wrong with these people which i i can see that frustration it, in a doctor oh yeah, for sure and then investigator Pichos, he says the other bottle from earlier in the day from the little girl, for some reason, the paramedics in Elk, Elk Grove Village had inventoried it. And so he had the police department in Elk Grove Village bring it to him at the hospital. Okay. Dr. Kim, I was pacing in my office. I kept going in my systematic way. What is likely or not likely? All I came down to was cyanide. But I said, no, where? Where was the exposure? The only way I could test was to check the blood for cyanide. I had never done that. I've never heard of that. We didn't do that in the hospital. Someone, maybe another doctor, told me about a lab that does these special tests. So he sent the blood samples away to this lab. 
Okay. That would make me so nervous because let me say, we send stuff like blood to the lab all the time. And do you know how many samples just like get lost? Mm -hmm. Or we had this one kid that was our patient. We sent a vitamin D level. They lost, it was like a two-year-old. So it was hard to draw. They lost it. The lab called and they're like, we lost it. So we had to get them to come back. We had to redraw it. We sent it again. They lost the same fucking kids. Oh no. And as a parent, I would be fuming. Oh yes. Like we made the lab call the parents and explain to them what happened and set set it up again and all the stuff. It was it was ridiculous. So I'd that would make like, me really nervous to send I would off also such be important like, evidence. Yes. <laughs> to a lab also, you don't know. Yes, but I would also be like, and you're paying for that. Oh, a hundred percent. Like what the hell? Mm-hmm. That is messed up. Investigator P shows. He said, when I got the Tylenol bottles, I looked and saw the control numbers were the same. I reported back to the medical examiner's office and I said, look, everything here is different except this. Both have Tylenol bottles and they both have the same control number, MC2880. So the deputy medical examiner, Donahue, he said, I told him over the phone to open the bottles and to smell them, which I would have never. Right, right. Like, I would have never thought to do that. So good for the but they're a medical examiner also, so they know also whenever somebody tells me to smell something immediately i'm like no what's wrong with it? <laughs> <laughs> that's me i'm like no it probably stinks <laughs> so <laughs> investigator p shows he said i opened them up and looked inside i poured them out nothing looked out of the ordinary everything was capsules however as i was pouring them out of the bottles i could tell there was a strong smell of almonds and then i opened the second bottle and i said you know the first one smells like the second one almonds so again didn't know that cyanide had that smell just so you know i did know that but i couldn't remember i knew that there was a type of poison that had the smell of almonds and when we first started talking i could not remember which one it was i did not um so i learned something new too but deputy medical examiner donahue he said i was very lucky because this investigator was able to smell cyanide only about half the population can smell it again didn't know that Mm, i did not know that only half the is that like the thing where cilantro so like half people love it and half people think it tastes like grass I like it I love cilantro but like either you love it and you hate it and the people that hate it swear that it tastes like was it grass it's something weird like that I soap. love cilantro no, it's I soap. can eat cilantro so they swear they swear it tastes like soap oh see I can eat cilantro by itself girl yes I mean at Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. so investigator p shows he said and we both said the same thing at the same time cyanide deputy (laughs) medic jinx you owe me a coke (laughs) deputy medical examiner donahue he said cyanide is a chemical i'm gonna fuck this up (laughs) okay (laughs) cyanide is a chemical asphyxiant i can never say it right you said it right i said it right yeah I always feel like I say it wrong. Okay. It blocks the utilization of oxygen by red blood cells. You can be in an atmosphere with plenty of oxygen and you can breathe in it. 
but it doesn't get picked up by the red blood cells and you can asphyxiate. So it causes brain damage and cardiac arrest and it happens very quickly. That's what cyanide does. Okay. That sounds terrible. Yes. So at 1 a.m., Dr. Kim, he said, I eventually got the lab reports. It was a massive amount of cyanide, 100 or 1,000 times more than the necessary to kill them. At 3.15 a.m., Mary McFarland is pronounced dead at Good Samaritan Hospital in Downers Grove. At 9.30 a.m., Mary Reiner is pronounced dead at Central DuPage Hospital in Winfield. Bill Reiser, the sergeant with the Winfield Police Department, he said, we weren't quite sure at the time exactly what had happened. We knew Rayner was dead, but I don't think initially we realized until the other investigations came to light with the other towns that we had any connection. Okay. So um, Deputy Medical Examiner Donahue, about 10 in the morning, an attorney from Johnson & Johnson, uh, the parent company of the Tylenol's manufacturer, shows up in their office. We mm -hmm. took him up to the lab and the toxicologist explained what they found. He was there about half an hour and then he left and he could see once we found cyanide and Tylenol, there was no way that we could not release that information. Right. So he, was, he was like not trying to cover that up or anything. Yeah. He was like, okay, this is going to hit hard. This is going to hurt, but it is what it yes, is. It is what it is. Well, Roy Dames, the CEO of Cook County's medical examiner's office, he said, my first reaction was, let's make sure there's no other connection between these deaths before we go and tell people not to take Tylenol. So right. they proved it to me. And I said, great, let's go. Um, I believe I talked to the CEO of the company that made Tylenol and I informed him that we were going to have to have a press conference. And his reaction was, do you have to? And I said, well, do you have a better idea? And he said, no. So nurse Jensen, I hardly slept because I was so concerned about it and I was angry about it. And I was sure it was like a danger so my husband was getting ready for work and he woke me up and said Helen they're saying it was the Tylenol at 10 a.m deputy medical examiner Donahue he said the press conference was simply simply to tell people in the area that we had found cyanide and Tylenol and to warn them that there might be a danger that if they had any then it was probably a good idea for at least a little while not to take it we weren't yeah. saying it should be recalled but we thought community needed to be warned so I they first like issued recalled <laughs> right I was gonna say so let me tell you they first issued a warning and then they recalled it it did yeah. get recalled everybody <laughs> so right. they were like we probably don't it's probably fine we don't have to recall it you know seven people have just died it's cool right <laughs> nurse Jensen she said I called her police department and said you gotta get Tylenol off the shelves Nobody had talked to the police and they said, oh, we can't do that. And I said, oh, yes, you can. Oh, motherfucker, yes, you can. I just <laughs> like the, skipped. I glitched. I said, mother, motherfucker. <laughs> if, yes. And the deputy chief was there and he said, go ahead and do it. So at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Johnson & Johnson finally announced the recall of all Tylenol from the lot MC2880. So this was just the first lot. So this was prior to them finding out that there was multiple lots. Oh, wow. Medical examiner CEO Dames, he said, I spent the rest of the day on the phone. Like you answer and it's people worried who have taken Tylenol. The simple answer is if you took it and you're calling me, don't worry. But right, don't that's what I was going to say. You're fine. But don't take any more. Right. Just, just stop. <laughs> yes. So at 8 p.m., Tyrone Fawner, he was the Illinois attorney general. 
He said, I was at Pheasant Run, a resort in St. Charles, and he was at a big Republican event. There were a lot of people there, Senator Charles Percy and a Governor Thompson and a whole bunch of local state and like federal politicians. Basically, they were all there and his aide came up and said, I need you to take a call. It was from one of my deputies who told me that there had been poisonings. I said, why not call the state attorney? He told me that there were they were in multiple counties, Cook and DuPage, and the attorney general had responsible responsibility for the entire state. I mean, so he sense. knew, yeah, he knew that this was going to be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> so James Zagel, he was the director of the Illinois Department of Law Enforcement. He said somebody called me. There was a certain geographical dispersion, but the deaths were highly unusual. We don't see a lot of poisonings, which I mean, right? If you think about it, it's really not as common as people think. Right, especially not that many people in the same area. No, not in the same same area, like connecting towns, and not in like the same time frames either. It's right, crazy. I mean, if you're if you get a poisoning, it's usually just like one angry woman that poisoned her husband or something like that. Right, it's not like so, a mass thing like this. Right. So, Attorney General Fawner, he said, "I got in my car and we started." trying to figure out what was going on. There had been multiple murders at that point in time, deaths anyway, and we didn't know, like, that if they were murders yet or, like, what was going on. Right. So, Director Zagel, he said it became clear early on that this was something that was not only a terrible crime, but um, capable of repetition. So, it was obvious very, very early on that this was going to require a lot of people to do what had to be done, too which was a lot of investigating on what was going on to begin with. Right. Friday, October 1st at 11 a.m., Attorney General Fawner, he said in a conference room, he pulled together the state police, the local law enforcement people, and the chiefs of police, along with the director of the Illinois State Police, basically anyone who like might touch it from a law enforcement angle, uh, he got in that room and he said, because we didn't know like how big it was, he said, we need to talk about this. This is what's going on. So at 115, Teresa Janus is taken off life support at Northwest Community Hospital and pronounced dead. Mm. 5 p.m., police discover the body of Paula Prince in her old town apartment at 1540 North LaSalle Street. Joan Ahern. Ahern or O'Hern? Ahern. A-H-E-R-N. Oh, okay. I, thought, I just pictured like an O'Hearn, like an O'Malley type situation. Nah, okay. O'Hearn. <laughs> gotcha, sorry. And I could be pronouncing it wrong, but that's how it's spelled. <laughs> right. <laughs> so Joan O'Hearn, she was a United flight attendant who uh, was also a friend of Paula Prince. Her sister was supposed to meet her for dinner and she wasn't answering her telephone. So that sort of alerted her sister that something's not right. And what I understood is that she was due back out that friday and she was a no-show for a flight so like she was friends with paula but she was friends with paula's sister too so paula's sister was really concerned about her and that's how she knew mm -hmm. richard brezcheck i could be, i could be pronouncing that wrong just so you know <laughs> um he was the superintendent of the chicago police department he said her family couldn't reach her and they called the chicago police to do what it's basically called a well-being check, you know. Right, like a welfare check. Well, yeah, wellness, yeah, welfare check, wellness check, whatever. And I'll tell you what they found. The Tylenol bottle was still sitting open on the vanity. She took it in the bathroom, and by the time she got to 
threshold of the door, she was dead. Oh, she was dead by that time? Like, yes, she must have taken more than other people. (laughs) So I'm assuming she took probably three or four. Right. Um, Do you hear that, Dana? Do you hear that? Hey, I was going to say it's not uncommon because I take like four, sometimes six. I'm (laughs) I'm saying me and one of the doctors were getting on to Dana because she's just trying to have like cirrhosis of the liver or some shit with her. As many mm-hmm. ibuprofen she takes today. <laughs> I mean, I do it too. So I guess same girl, same. <laughs> Deputy medical examiner Donahue, she said she took them on Wednesday night. And I remember thinking that she was dead by the time we went on television for our press conference. Talking about Paula. Right. Superintendent Brzezczyk. There was a security camera at Walgreens taking still photos of Paula Prince walking up to the cash register. And making her Tylenol purchase, you know, like buying her death warrant right there is what he said. He said it was eerie, but there weren't security cameras in the aisles to see if somebody was putting it up on the shelf. So flight attendant, and I have been pronouncing it wrong. Crystal corrected me. It's Ahern. (laughs) So my bad. (laughs) Um, Paula was blonde, vivacious, had a gorgeous smile. That guy stole all her dreams, her life, her future. He just destroyed it all. Just poof, one pill. What makes a man do something like that? And I have to say, she says that man, but nobody knew whether it was a man or a woman. I was like, I'm so confused right now. What is she? Just guessing. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I was like, what man? What did I miss? I know. That's why I wanted to clarify that. Okay. There is no man right now. (laughs) At 8 p.m., Jane Byrne, mayor of Chicago, she said, that Friday, I had three nighttime engagements. One was a rather big retirement party for a police officer that was a Navy peer, followed by a very social type of evening at Symphony Center. I did a link. Yeah. I don't have social type of evenings. That's not a social type of evening I have. I have a sports ball, and then I have crawl into bed. (laughs) I got Netflix. <laughs> and, and watching Buffy because I've been rewatching the whole Buffy's. I'm on season five right now. <laughs> God. She said, I did a Lincoln reading there and that was, that was to be followed by a black tie dinner. These things were not similar. So I started out my evening. The only thing on my mind at that point was what would I wear? So okay, that's fair. Superintendent Brzezczyk, he said, I happened to be at the social function with my wife when I got the call. So I called the mayor and said, they tell me we've got a Tylenol death in Chicago. Got a mayor, right. Mayor Byrne, she said, when we walked out of the retirement party, the driver of the car came up and said, there's an urgent message for the mayor. Call the office. So I got in the car. We called the office and they explained the preliminary thoughts on what could have been, well, and what ended up being a disaster. Mm-hmm. They knew at the time that Paula had been out and came in and had a headache and took Tylenol and then died. And it was like, oh my God, there's a million people out there. And that's all she could think about was all these people, which that's great that she was thinking that way. Right. Deputy medical examiner Donahue said, with the Janus family, we got the toxicologist out of bed. It was the first time in the history of the office that he had come in overnight and done analysis. And when they found Paula Prince, he was called back to do it again. Mayor Byrne, what was on my mind was how many others. Um, right. She said the super, like they called the superintendent of police, the commissioner of the fire department, the doctor in charge of the board of health, 
they had them meet at the symphony center in the back room. And she said, well, we've got to prepare. We ordered flyers, printed basically everything in foreign languages too. They planned everything to make sure that the public was notified. And she's like, this is phase one. So I went down to my office and they were waiting on these like different sources to give out information and more and more was coming in. There was no doubt that somebody had tainted the Tylenol. Right. At 11 PM, superintendent Brizcheck, mayor Byrne was all, or sorry, superintendent Brizcheck. He said, mayor Byrne was all set to make a press announcement about finding Paula Prince. And it was at that press conference that the announcement was made that we were going to pull all the Tylenol off the shelves in Chicago because they realized that there was more than one code. So Mayor Byrne, she she said it created quite a frenzy. I don't think I had done anything like that before. So now we're on Monday, October 4th, where the mayor and the Chicago City Council passes an ordinance requiring tamper-resistant packaging for all drugs sold in stores. So this was a quick change. So everybody, let's Let's think about this. The first death was September 29th and it's October 4th. Oh, wow. And the mayor is like, no, we've got to change this tamper resisting packaging for all drugs moving forward. So, so when did they, you know, when they started putting those out, like how fast they were able to start putting them out. Mm-hmm. So October 5th, Johnson and Johnson recalls all Tylenol products nationwide, like yeah. all of them. And then um, it was not long. We'll go into more of my notes about like when it all started. Mm-hmm. Packagers. Yeah. So obviously there's, there's more to this timeline and it's going to kind of go over some of my notes. So I'm going to pull out of this article now, okay. which anybody can go and read, like I said, because we're going to link it in our Instagram. So people were obviously panicking. I mean, Johnson and Johnson just said, pull everything that's Tylenol related off the shelves. Right. So it's serious. I mean, we know it's serious. One interesting thing that I found was that one bottle had been purchased by Linda Morgan, who was the wife of Judge Lewis Morgan, but she didn't take it because she said the bottle had an off scent. Oh, wow. So basically she saved her own life because- because she could smell the cyanide. She could smell the almonds. So remember, people. Sniff your pills before you take them. <laughs> but not just that. It's stated that only like half the population could smell it. So lucky her. Right. Oh, wow. That is that is super lucky. That's crazy. Yeah. Also, so to help, I wouldn't know. Am I like one of the half that can smell it? Like ha- what? I don't know. I, I don't know. But I don't want to go <laughs> buy cyanide to go test oh, it. Oh, absolutely not. No. I mean, <laughs> so let's put that disclaimer out there too. for everybody. Right. Please don't, don't do that. To, we don't need to be trying to buy cyanide and test this out, no, guys. Please don't. So to help put the people at ease, Johnson & Johnson, the manufacturer of the Tylenol, did put out a warning to hospitals and distributors to stop further production and advertising because of this incident. So making it not just Chicago, but nationwide. Right. It was issued on October 5th, 1982, 31 million bottles of Tylenol in production was halted. This was over a hundred million dollars. Yeah. I said, this is like a hard hit for a big company. It was a huge hit. They also reassured the public that they were like not behind the poisoning, right? 
So they wanted to make sure that they were like, we actually want you guys to keep buying our product. So we're not going to try to poison you. Right. (laughs) But, (laughs) but they wanted them to know that they didn't want them to consume any products that contain acetaminophen. (laughs) A set of, yeah, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> the main ingredient in Tylenol. Yeah, acetaminophen. Um, she's like, um, because those seem to be the only capsules that were tampered with. They even actually offered to exchange those capsules for the solid tablets for anyone that had already purchased their products. So like bring in. Right. They're like, you bring in your capsules and we'll just give you this bottle of tablets. Yes. I'd be like, I don't want any of your product. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> but, but, but that is, I that's under- a good, like, I understand for their, I was going to say, I understand their tactic. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> but honey, <laughs> don't nobody want no Tylenol right now. Right. <laughs> Police continued to investigate where this began. It was found that the tainted meds were found at two separate manufacturing locations, one in Pennsylvania and one in Texas. Well, that means this, would have had to have been tampered with after the products have been placed in the store shelves for sale because it didn't happen in Pennsylvania or in Texas. Clue so number one. Somebody that lived in the town had to tamper with them after to. they were on the shelves. Had so to. it wasn't happening in, okay. Cause I was like, is it was this not, a, like a disgruntled employee that's like just right. pissed off at the world or? or? Or it had to have happened in the meantime, even if it's not like in that like in shipping or something like that exactly so if if people aren't aware on how like manufacturers work i'll break it down a little bit so in this particular distribution they are manufacturing the tylenol capsules they go into the bottles that they you know it's like a line that you see or whatever you know we've all seen that show how it's made right you know (laughs) right so at the time there was not the plastic like covering that you got over there wasn't the foil cover there was just a cotton ball there was capsules cotton ball cap on move there literally wasn't even the plastic seal over those bottles right that you see now it was just they just shoved some cotton up in there back in the 80s people could straight steal it and nobody would know like it is what it is so um what i'm saying is as soon as they're manufactured they are immediately packed into a box put onto a truck the truck is then taken to whatever location you purchase the product you know maybe one big building like Like a big warehouse whatever and then it's distributed you know to wherever it needed to go and put on the shelves and it is what it is like that's how it works so in this case it was noted that these two manufacturing locations didn't have any weird deaths of Tylenol so it had to have happened after it was put on the truck and distributed to this lo- like to any of the Chicago locations so somebody had to have tampered with it meaning somebody would have had to gone to local stores in Chicago taken bottles poison them and then put them back into the stores so when you say nobody there wasn't any deaths where they were made i guess so did they they didn't have any locally also yeah they didn't have any reported deaths in the pennsylvania and texas manufacturing locations so that would have meant that they had to have also shipped locally to the local areas had to have okay gotcha okay yeah so they they could have been tampered with in the shipping or could have been 
or at the, I, I find it, I, I find it more likely in shipping if it ha if it was sent and to I different don't. locations because I don't, there's I multiple find... people working yes. at these stores, like putting cyanide in these pills because they were bought at no. different stores. No. And I, I don't believe that at all. Again, this, it was easier to steal Tylenol or pills or anything at that time because you just, I mean, it was just easy to steal them. There wasn't anything showing like plastic covering or anything over it. So like if you stuck it in your purse, they wouldn't have known. It could have just been your own bottle of Tylenol. I'm just giving an example. So literally so what somebody, I believe, okay, go ahead. So what I believe is literally somebody just stole a bunch of bottles and acted like they were looking at it, put these random Tylenol bottles, didn't want to get caught with too many, right? So they go to a different place. And it, right. because there were literally local areas in different counties. That so makes sense. It was just somebody contaminating these and then like slowly just, I don't think they cared who they were targeting. No, absolutely not. I think they just wanted to kill a lot of people. So I'm saying either it could be somebody that worked with handling the deliveries that just like delivered some to this one place and some to this one place. Or it could be somebody that either stole a bunch or like bought a bunch of bottles and then right. did it at home and then just like went around to different places distributing them. So I will say, I will get into some suspects in a second. Okay. So um, this was just a huge city. Like there was zero sus suspects, literally zero. So it was early 1983, and, the FBI ended up Absolutely getting... zero motive. Yes. It was early um, 1983, the FBI even got involved like this case went on for a little bit because it right. was very serious but fbi was involved and decided to keep like the grave sites of the deceased specifically the youngest victim 12 year old mary mm -hmm. um like under surveillance in hopes that the killer would like visit because a lot of times yeah killers visit the one like their victims but in this case it didn't happen like they they stayed there for months and oh, wow. nobody nobody so again I don't it wasn't specific people targeted it was just counts right it was just counts at that point police did finally get what they believed was a lead a surveillance photo was located of Paula Prince one of the victims that we talked about mm -hmm. we talked about this photo um when she purchased the meds and it wasn't until a little bit that they noticed that there was a bearded man right behind her that they thought maybe could have been associated because the way he was supposedly looking at her in the, okay. in the photo, but that was all they could get out of it. So they were like, okay, this isn't a lead. Right. No, like he literally is just looking, like I look at people all the time right. when I'm in a public place. I'm like, oh, hi, random person. Right. Well, it was later that year that investigators were informed by Johnson & Johnson that a man named James William Lewis had wrote a letter to Johnson & Johnson demanding $1 million to stop the cyanide-induced murders. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> right. Wait, so he said, I will pay you $1 million if you stop poisoning people? No. To Johnson & Johnson? Or he he'll saying, stop poisoning I people? Want, okay. I want $1 million and I'll stop poisoning people. But he signed he his saying. name? to it literally <laughs> okay so, but, but, but wait there's, there's more, more. 
So okay. police couldn't just use this letter as evidence. They needed more. Obviously, they had to look into it, right? So James was arrested and police <laughs> located a book on poisoning in his home. Stop it. His Poisoning for dummies? Was it poisoning for dummies? <laughs> his fingerprints were discovered on pages that were related to cyanide. Of course. When he was arrested, James told police how the person behind the attack probably bought the Tylenol, added cyanide to the bottles, and then returned them to the store shelves, but denied being the person responsible. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he said he said he admitted to the letter that he wrote um, and that it took him three days to write it, but he had only intended to focus the attention on his wife's former employee employer with that letter. There wasn't an actual evidence that he poisoned the bottles. Like there was literally no cyanide or anything around him. No proof that he ever bought anything with cyanide. Nothing. And so he was the, just like studying up on poisoning with cyanide and or, writing letters about it. Yeah, it was so weird. And the cyanide wasn't even like a hidden factor in the investigation, though. Like when they released the recall, it was unit, released they to the public. To tell right. Them. So. Again, he could have just heard it to write it. Yeah. Right. Well, it was stated when they recalled the meds for the public that, you know, he would know why it was recalled, being that it was stated that it was there was cyanide, right? So he didn't actually have any evidence of it in his home or any other poisoning tools, just the book. <laughs> so James ended up going to trial though, because he was the only lead right. that they had. And his attorney was the one that stated he only intended to extort his, like, wife's former employer so that, you know, he could get money because he's pissed off. His wife, I guess, had gotten let go or something. So this okay. was his way to try to extort money. So he did end up going to jail, though. He was found guilty, but not for murder. He was sentenced to 10 years for extortion. So he was it like, you fired my wife, and so I'm going to pretend that I poisoned and murdered all these people well it was crazy so it was found later that the letter had an october 1st 1982 postmark date that meant that his timeline was inaccurate so he recanted the timeline this just made him look even more guilty though okay. and investigators did believe in fact that he was the one that killed those people but they just did not have supporting evidence to prove it so they continued to press the issue and his wife and him sent DNA samples and fingerprints in. And he even said, if the FBI plays it fair, I have nothing to worry about. If well, they play the, it fair, meaning if they don't tamper with his DNA that he's giving them and um, he has nothing to worry about. You know what? You'd have nothing to worry about if you didn't write a fucking letter. Fucking right. Saying that so, you did this, you dumbass. Well, the samples didn't match any DNA on the bottles, so he wasn't guilty without supporting evidence. So he did time for extortion only. Okay. Can you also have... do time for being a dumbass? Because he should. Right. So because there wasn't supporting evidence, they had to continue to investigate. I still think that he did it, but that's just me. I don't know. I don't, let's, I don't... Listen, let, let's listen to the other suspect. Okay. There, there was another suspect. There was Roger Arnold. He was a dock worker at Jewel Osco. Police were told that Roger had potassium cyanide, 
Roger was a regular that went to a bar owned by a Marty Sinclair. Wait, he Marty just had for- cyanide? Are we just going to oh, swing we'll past that? We'll, okay. we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> You're like, he was a dock worker. He had cyanide. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Marty heard about the poisoning and had told police that Roger had talked about killing people with a white powder and started acting super crazy after his marriage ended. What was really interesting is that he was connected to one of the deceased. Oh. Mary Reiner. So the he had- 12-year-old or the other Mary? No, the other Mary. Okay. I was like, what? <laughs> okay. No, not that. <laughs> so he had worked with her father at a warehouse. So his wife had been treated at the hospital that was directly across the street from the store that Mary bought her lace meds. A copy of the poor man's James Bond, which contained instructions on making potassium cyanide, was found in Roger's home. Was that a book? Yes. Why is that a thing? Why are I we going <laughs> to... Don't teach know. people how to make homemade cyanide okay so that's why he had potassium cyanide just so you know just made it i for guess fun- for funsies well roger was actually held several times and questioned but in the summer of 1983 he mistaked john stanisha for marty sinclair the bartender and shot and killed stanisha oh shit who had been leaving the bar with multiple friends so Roger was convicted of the murder of John Stanisha. So he killed him because Marty had told police that, you know, he had talked about killing Do people it. with white pop. Yeah. And um And then he just he shot this other person because he thought it was Marty. Like you don't even know who you're trying to target. Yeah. He thought he was shooting Marty and he shot this John guy. Oh so God. he was convicted of the murder and he actually died in two thousand eight. Here's a crazy thing. So with the new DNA testing that we have that continues to develop, you know. It does continue to do so, yes. Um, police actually exhumed him from his grave for DNA testing. They took oh. a piece of a femur bone and, of course, they returned it. After I was like, they took and- his whole ass femur? Oh, my God. No, <laughs> they returned it after they tested it. And his DNA also didn't match the DNA samples on the bottle. So... There was one other suspect, too, but it was super brief. Police had a brief woman suspect. Her name was Lori Dan. She had poisoned and shot several people in 1988. I'm just going to say women are most known for poisoning. That's not a thing that men usually do. They are, but there was no connection in this. My guess is that it's some woman that they have no idea who it is. (laughs) Who knows? But since the poisoning, there have actually been several copycats that have laced other capsules. Oh my and, God. Even, and even Tylenol again killing people seriously um, Excedrin was one that was recalled for the same reason um one incident was in 1991 Kathleen Daniker and Stanley McWhorter both were killed with cyanide tainted boxes of Sudafed oh my god and Jennifer Maling went into a coma from taking it as well it was later found that Jennifer's abusive husband was responsible and found guilty so okay. that one was that one was a man poisoning instead of a woman that that one was solved <laughs> it, <laughs> it's still unsolved as to who is responsible for this huge recall issue and all the killings and since this attack the reason for the pill bottles to have you know cotton and seals along with plastic coverings for medications is to help with taper free meds 
it does make you second guess like taking over the counter medicine though it makes me second guess taking anything because like all this like food that you buy at grocery stores Mm -hmm. everything like you don't know what that's been through it's really scary if you think about it 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 really is and unfortunately if you read a lot of the ingredients which is I swear I spend more time reading ingredients on stuff which I always have you know that (laughs) I always have because that's because you've got kids with major allergies food allergies tons of them yes two of my children have major food allergies so I am constantly reading ingredients but like the more ingredients that I read on some of the boxes of these processed foods I'm like these are on the shelf people are consuming cyanide what is that Um. (laughs) (laughs) people are consuming this I'm like oh my god that's why I'm like it just amazes me how much stuff is awful for you out there I mean yeah but like it just frightens me cyanide by it right (laughs) I was like these processed extra foods don't don't bother me as much as the possibility of somebody poisoning me with cyanide it's very true it's very true so if you're opening a pill bottle it smells like almonds don't take it um (laughs) yeah for sure but my question is or if you open or are about to ingest anything that's not almonds that smells like almonds don't do it oh yeah that too (laughs) (laughs) i guess i should should have reiterated that (laughs) but my question is do you think one of the two male suspects were responsible of the dna like or responsible for the um, killings. I don't know. So here's what I have to say. The DNA that was discovered on the bottoms could be linked to the bottle literally being put into 20 billion people's hands. Right, like it touches a lot of people before it gets. So how do you single out one specific piece of DNA on these bottles? That's That was a big question for me. I'm like, how are they getting... You can't single out one DNA. Like, is the same DNA on all of these bottles? Because, like I said, if it was in shipping. Right. Like- That's exactly 100%. Like, even if it's the same DNA bottle or DNA on all these bottles that was found, it could be from the manufacturer. It could be from, like, it, it could literally be any of that. Right. So, yeah, 100%. That's why I was like, mm, the I first guy. Go I- stuff that. Uh, the first guy I'm leaning towards, he heard it with cyanide in the news, and like, why would you, the person that you did really, this, so unless you really he was literally he, BTK, why would the person that did this write a letter with his name on it? So do you really, well, that's what made me think <laughs> of it. So I was going to say, you really think he just was trying to extort them for money? Because yeah. I'm going to tell you, if I if I had to lean towards one or the other, even one or like James or Roger, I'm still saying James because he gives me BTK vibes all the way. He's like, I'm going to write a letter. These guys are going to make me famous. Can you trace this floppy disk or can you trace my name? And then he's like, (laughs) right. But then he's like, I'm going to write a letter and I'm going to try and get a million dollars and I'll supposedly stop, you know, poisoning these people that I'm not poisoning because I'm going to tell everybody I'm not poisoning them now, now that I've been caught. You can't <laughs> and I'm be like, that stupid. You have to know that if you write a letter and you say, I want a million dollars and I'll stop killing these people and you but, sign your names, do you really think if they give you a million dollars and they know who you are, they're not going to come for you? But, but like, you can't be that thing. dense. But here's my thing. Like, it also doesn't make sense that he was like, oh, well, I was just going to extort, you know, 
my wife's former employee no, for that's money. Just a, you that's, also don't put your name when you do that. Right. I'm <laughs> like, that's just a stupid excuse. The wife's the extortion thing. That was a stupid excuse. He's an idiot who wanted to get like credit for this terrible thing. Also, right. there was no proof that he purchased any cyanide or had any cyanide at all ever. So, but, but all but, he had I was mean, the cyanide for dummies book. Like that's it. Right. I guess that's true. But I still don't think that Roger did it. And I'll tell you why I don't think, even though Roger had like created his own cyanide, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he created his own cyanide, but he had just lost his, lost his wife. Who's to say he wasn't doing it to poison himself? That's true. And that's also very, very fucking sad. I mean, he was literally like going crazy over it. So yeah. And, and who's to say that Roger and this Marty guy just like butted heads or something. And Marty's like, oh yeah, he talked about this. He could have been talking about killing himself and not killing other people. I don't think it's either one of them. I think it's some unknown, crazy ass, really smart person. Yeah. And that's it. Oh my God. So when we went to record, I told Chris, I was like, I'm going to record. Um, I always, sh- I'm in the closet. I'm in the closet. <laughs> so I always shut the closet door and then I'll shut my bedroom door because the people in my house, their voices carry it. They are loud, loud <laughs> people. So I shut double doors. Okay. I was like, keep the dog in here with y'all. Y'all keep an eye on the dog. Clearly this is not the case anymore because I just heard Sully is literally on the other side of the closet door and just like, I oh, heard, you're not. I heard. He's like literally breathing under the door. <laughs> Shadow does things like that. He's I mean, like, Mom, Shadow are gets you right in there? <laughs> Shadow gets right up. Like, he knows zero. Per- it makes me so annoyed sometimes. Oh. Shadow has zero personal space. He will literally stand <laughs> directly. Like, I'll be laying in bed. I'll jump on the bed and he'll stand directly over my face. Oh my his God. face right here. And I'll be like, can you please get back? And I'll like try to <laughs> shove him back and he, he won't move. And he'll just be like grinning ear to ear, dog breath right in my face. <laughs> I'm like, He's like, hi, do you see me? Give me attention. That's funny. 100%. He's a fucking pain. That's a, I love that's, him though. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just some random crazy ass person that I, had no reason to do it, but just because they're pure ass evil and they just wanted to kill a bunch of people i don't think that these people were the ones that did it and you know you make a good point you do because i think the same in a way i don't know i feel like i feel like it's right under their nose and they just don't see it that's possible i mean which is why i'm like if i had to pick one of the the two i think james is just stupid enough to do it I feel like <laughs> I feel like if this had happened nowadays, they they figure it out because of all the advances and everything. Yeah, for sure, for sure, I agree. Um, nowadays it's a lot easier to be able to catch somebody tampering because, like, they can't just like take bottles. Nowadays, it would have to be it. somebody in manufacturing that it mm-hmm. bef- before the um tamper seal is putting on the bottle put on the bottle <laughs> yeah for sure all right well sure. that, that was my case of the chicago Tylenol murders um it's it was a case. long one sorry that's okay but, it's a good one every time i hear it i'm like that's insane it just blows on that you know i've that. been 
I've actually been meaning to do it for a while now. And I just kept on like leaning off of it, going to a different case because yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's just not, it's not that it's not interesting or anything. It's that it, it's there. It's definitely something that needs to be out there, but it's more so I was like, Oh, it's, it's not like the regular. I mean, I totally have that we cases that I like put off for a long time because I'm like oh I want to do this at some point but I'm not feeling it right now or oh it's not the right time um so yeah like I've got a ton like that but yeah it was a it was a good case I thought it was time to finally put it out there so if you had if if people didn't know that is literally why Tylenol and ibuprofen everything has tamper-free seals the tamper seals yeah Mm-hmm. If you op- if you buy a bottle and there does not if there's not a seal that you have to pull off, then do not fucking take it. No, don't do there it. There should guys. be a, there should be a seal and cotton. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're welcome. All right, so yeah. Follow us on all this stuff. Follow, serialholicsisters.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's got our facey space, our Instagram, our Gmail. Is that on there? That's on there. It's on there. Yeah. You yeah. can contact Just us and give shoot us, us a Gmail. Yeah. Give us some, That's give weird. us some suggestions. Do people, we do people say that? Shoot, shoot us an email. I feel like shoot they us used a to. Gmail. Back in the day when email was new. And I'm like, shoot they definitely me an email. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely didn't say that. <laughs> or you could just like type one out and then hit send. Is that what they say? No. Mm-mm. Okay. No. It was just called an email. Stop making it weird. <laughs> you know I'm awkward. <laughs> uh, you want to be awkward with me. Come on. Yeah, let, let's be awkward. Okay. Okay, bye. bye. Sorry. I need to re say that sentence. Okay. <laughs> Re-say it. Okay. <laughs> what the fuck is going on? <laughs> is it just your side? Yes. What is Oh my That was fucking weird. <laughs> first it was like my head was doing this (laughs) but I could still hear you fine like you never skipped it was like is she seizing right now I thought I was in fact I like looked at the computer it was like oh my god what's happening to my neck right now (laughs) Jesus Christ anyways okay so we'll take all that out (laughs) nope I'm leaving it in no we gotta take it out (laughs) what the <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> what is wrong with our videos? <laughs> I don't know. I think we're just gonna have to turn the video off. Richard, um, uh, res- oh hell no. B r z e c z e k. Wait, Rizek? I got to write it as you say it because I just got lost in these. B r Z-E-C-Z-E-K. Brezchek? Brezchek? That's my guess. I don't know. Okay. So, flight attendant Ahern. Paula I wonder if was it's Ahern. <laughs> Ahern. I don't know. I'm telling you. I'm just saying how it's spelled. I could definitely be pronouncing it wrong, and I apologize. I'm, I'm looking it up. You said it's A-H-E-A-R-N? Yeah. Ahern. I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for embarrassing me. (laughs) I was just like, I've never heard of a name that's like a hern. (laughs) All right. Well, so let's go back to that sentence.
Okay. So at 8 p.m., Jane Byrne, mayor of Chicago. <laughs> this is taking you a long time to pronounce Byrne. <laughs> Bracing myself for some off the wall name. <laughs> like, burn. It's B Y R N E. It's not burn. Is it be- beer? Beard? <laughs> Beard. Beard. Oh, it is burn. Right. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't sound right. Bitch. <laughs> you got it, girl. Okay, let's go back to that sentence. <laughs> all right it just took you so long to pronounce it though <laughs> <laughs> because it's not fucking spelled right <laughs> all right so at 8 p.m jane Byrne, mayor of chicago that friday i had three nighttime engagements fucking <laughs> 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 fuck you <laughs> i got the giggles now okay okay Usa. okay at 8 p.m <laughs> We're never gonna get past this. Okay, okay, yes, we are. Not gonna look at you. <laughs> turn oh, off my thing. camera. I'm gonna turn okay. on my camera for a minute. Okay, well, I'll turn right off. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I feel like that made it worse. Silently, Wee's laughing. <laughs> That made it worse. That made it worse. Okay. At 8 p.m. <laughs> Why am I still laughing? It's not even that funny. <laughs> okay. Really late. <laughs> we need some magic wand. Oh my god. <sighs> <laughs> it's gonna be hell editing. <laughs> Refreshing. Magic mind. <laughs>